2: So to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing mint mobile unlimited premium wireless had to get 30 30 to get 30 to get 20 20 20 to get 20 to 20, get, 20, 20, get 15 15 15 15 just 15 bucks a month sold give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees promo rate for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com
1: this podcast is part of the sports social podcast network Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's
2: the fight in. Clock. A camel's name.
3: It's episode 11, season 10 of the Fighting Cop podcast today. I'm joined on the line by one Mickey Hazard. How are you doing, mate?
0: Doing great, Flav. Thank you very much. Very good. Thanks
3: so much for coming back on. Do you know, it's been five years since you've been on the show. It's been that long. No way. And Uh, and
0: in in that time, I've probably did about 70 others. (laughs)
3: Yeah, probably. Uh, Well, I've got got to
0: say, why have you left it for five years?
3: I just don't want to take up much of your Can't time. Not
0: that interesting but, anymore,
3: Mickey. It's it's like you don't want to take advantage, do you? You um, ring you, me anytime. Okay. All right. Well, uh, every Monday we record at six p.m. So from this point forward, Mick. So I'll see you every Monday at six. That's fine um, by me. That'll be wonderful. Um, but a lot's changed in five years. Uh, I think we would have been in the middle. we Would have been in the middle, or, or just at the beginning of the really exciting pochettino project uh we'd have had a year or so with him but he really started to kick on in that you know from 2015 to 2016 that was an incredible season the best football i've ever seen has seen us play but in five years i wouldn't have expected at that point to have said goodbye to pochettino and then somehow us bringing in jose Mourinho, new massive stadium um yeah so it's, uh, it's, it's a lot to change mickey what do you make of 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 that. What, what did you make of, of, of Pochettino's reign overall but also how it ended?
0: Uh, very sad uh, very sad about the Pochettino reign on, on more than one account. Um, number one that he built such a uh, phenomenal team um, who played such good football, such um, dominated so many games in the way that we should dominate games and um, the sadness for me is that this guy, this guy, this lovely, lovely man, by the way, um, he deserved more than probably any other manager to win a trophy for what he he transformed this football club um, and was proving himself to be an incredibly very good manager. And when you you look back over his reign, you almost feel like, wow, how sad! How sad is that he didn't win a trophy? Because he was so close to the line on so many occasions, um, a, a, the title, um, cups, Champions League final, um, and, and and at those moments, always seemed to be dogged by, by bad luck. Um, you know, if you Champions League final, I mean, a penalty after thirty seconds, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't write the script. And you, you know, and, and you look at Poch and you think, well, Ivan did so much and achieved so much at our football club. Um, it all had always felt like getting over the line would be his greatest achievement, um, and and he actually didn't get over the line uh, for whatever reason, and and that hurt that hurt me a lot because of how what I regard I I owe this guy in he's an absolute brilliant manager he's a br- even better human being, um, so I, I I prayed that he would get over the line, and unfortunately he didn't, and consequently the 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 not one effect of the Champions League had, uh, impacted on us. We um, yeah. got off to such a very, very poor start, uh, and then the change was made. And again, that was an incredibly sad time. A decision that surprised me. Um, you know, I, th- I, 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 I didn't expect it um, because of what he'd achieved in the the previous four years. Um, so yes, sadness is rain while filled with excitement and uh, and great football. It was also filled with a lot of sadness.
3: What was you what did you make of when Jose Mourinho was made manager? Um, it was very quick, so it's obviously something they have been talking about for weeks. I mean, you don't sign Jose Mourinho twelve hours after starting talking to him, so he'd obviously been talking to him while Pochettino was in in the job. But what what, what did you make of that appointment? Was was you in the first instance, was you was you still reeling from Pochettino, or was you hopeful for the future because we'd got a proven winner in? What what was you feeling at that time?
0: Well, I think that having been a footballer all my life, I, I, I'm always prepared for the unexpected, um, and I, I'm also prepared to to move on from the unexpected because when you play football, one one day you win, the next day you lose. It's how you deal with the losing. You know, we were brought up to forget, forget about the defeat, and get on to the next one. So once the manager's gone, it's the same scenario as that. It's it's not disloyal to move on. You have no choice, um, although it does at times feel disloyal. Um, but ultimately, you know, when you when you weigh it up, if you're going to lose a manager of the quality of Pochettino uh, and and all that he did for our Football Club, to um, so then. Um, what two, three, whatever it was, four or five days later to appoint possibly the most successful manager in the history of the game or one of um, someone who'd won 25 25, I think it's 25 trophies, yeah, uh, as a manager, which was more than our football club in its full history. Um, yeah. so while feeling sad and disappointed, you would be a liar if you said, um, Certainly, if you want Tottenham Hotspur Football Club to win trophies, then you you would be lying if you said there wasn't a tinge of excitement there uh, yes. in the midst of sadness. Um, because we all want to see. We know. I know what it's like to win a trophy for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, and I know um, the feeling that it gives, and I know that the, the, the feeling that it gives to the fans. You know, you can see them on the streets when you're celebrating and winning, and and it, it, it's just complete elation. So suddenly you've got a manager um, that was going to do that or hopefully he's going to do that and I think that there's a great chance that he will. So yeah, um, while the sadness was there and I, I, I never felt any disloyalty because I welcomed the new manager, that's that's football. These things happen, you have to move on, you, you, know, you can't look back and, and spend your time in the past, it's about the future and, and, and the present and he was an unbelievable appointment, one that shocked me. Um, and as you rightly say, maybe they were negotiating with him uh, in advance. I don't know. What I will say is, was that when he was appointed, I was quite shocked. Uh, yeah. I didn't think that he would cl- come to Tottenham. I thought, I think it's an unbelievable move by him, by the way, to come. And and I I get the feeling he's incredibly happy here. I think maybe he might have found his spiritual o- home uh, in terms of his being at big clubs in the past, but this. This football club, Tottenham Hotspur, is a massive, massive football club. And the, he arrived at the, the time when maybe we were just a, a entering maybe one of the greatest phases of our, our lives. You know, the new stadium, as you say, it's, it's wow, it's like nothing you'll ever see. The training facilities is, is like nothing you've ever seen. He's, he's inherited very, very good players who've reached the Champions League final. He's then added to that. And the signs are that with his expertise as a manager, adding things to the the Tottenham style, uh, I have to say that because I believe that it's the Tottenham style that ultimately will get us over the line and win us trophies again. But within the Tottenham style, if we can make a few tweaks here and there uh, from a defensive perspective, then I'm certain that will get us over the line. And that's what he's being brought in to do, um, to add, not take away from our style and, and our history and our traditions and philosophies. No, he's brought in to add to that and and if he can add these defensive qualities uh, and get this team very difficult to beat um, when we're not playing well, um, this team will be more than good enough to win things because going forward, we are second to none. Um, Defensively, we've looked vulnerable and and this is his job and certainly um, it's taking shape Um, and I genuinely believe, I said last season, I'm not just saying it now, even when we were sort of struggling a bit when he just after he first arrived, I said "There's a, 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 I wouldn't be surprised if next season he goes and wins a trophy or two.
3: I'm, I'm completely with you. I, f- I feel like this is our best chance. Along, if you look at the squad, what Daniel Levy's done to supplement the players that we already had, it looks so exciting. Really, really excited. Before we go on to what potentially could happen and what you think of the current squad and our transfer window, um, I was just thinking about when you was talking there, that you know in football you, you get used to the shocks don't you nothing shocks you anymore no nope. but when <clears throat> was when when we won the european cup in in um 84 Birkinshaw left shortly after winning that was was that shocking because you i know you left shortly after as well i think the next year yeah. But, uh, but, but do you remember that? Were you around when that happened? When he, was there any idea that he was just going to leave Tottenham and pretty much leave football? I know he went to manage elsewhere in other, other parts of the world. What was that period um, like?
0: I have to say that, you know, having joined Spurs from school, uh, well, actually, I joined them at school. Keith Birkinshaw, the day that I uh, joined as an apprentice, um, full-time, Keith Birkinshaw became the manager. Um, so I'd know nothing but Keith as my manager and, and, and another absolutely fantastic human being. So um, it felt to me like it was a match made in heaven that Birkenshaw would take. Uh, he would preach the Tottenham philosophy. He would sign the players um, that played in the Tottenham style. Uh, I was fortunate that that was the style that I played anyway. Um, so it just felt just a perfect fit. And of course just prior to the UEFA Cup final in 84, um, obviously Keith informed us that he'd resigned uh, over a dispute with the, the then chairman Irving Scholar. So while it, it was a complete and uh, utter shock um, because I thought that um, there's a lot of work goes into making the football club successful and it doesn't happen overnight and it takes time as we saw with Pochettino. It, it took three to four years for him to really develop a side that was going to win trophies. And, and, um, Keith had sort of—he hadn't just built a a football team, um, which a lot of managers make the mistake of doing. He'd built a football club. Uh, He built a football club based on its youth development system, Um, and for me, it's the responsibility of every manager not to to come in. And of course, someone else might benefit from from this time that you put into your youth development, but it's the responsibility of the manager within his role that he builds. Um, for long-term success, not short-term success. And this is something that Keith had done. And when you look at the amount of youngsters that had came through the system and then added to the big-name signings like Clemens, Archibald, Crooks, Villa, Ardiles, there was a lot of homegrown grown talent coming through at the same time, and they gelled together and, and, and they helped make uh, this wonderful team. But it was a setup that was geared to long-term success. So when they decided to let Keith go... Um, obviously that ultimately broke up this wonderful squad of players that he'd, he'd built and put together. Um, it maybe slowed down the, the development of the youngsters. So the football club lost a lot when they, when Keith Burnshaw left. It was it left a massive void and, and that was very difficult to fill. And they tried to fill it with Keith's assistant, Peter Shreves. Um, but obviously sometimes it's hard to fill big shoes. Uh, it was hard to follow Keith, you know, because everybody was expecting what what Keith had delivered over the previous three or four years. So it was incredibly sad for me, in particular, because it ultimately it ended up in me departing the club as well, and not just me, but a number of others within the space of two or three years. I think that the all squad had virtually changed, mm-hmm. um, and the sadness was that Tottenham Hotspur Football Club was geared and being built for long term success, so that we won trophy one trophy one trophy, we had a fantastic youth uh, and when you remove the sort of uh, the, the general the general of this you know you take down the general, you take down the, the, the you you win the war um mm. and we we lost our general, our leader, um the one that sort of instigated all the good things that were going on uh, and from then it was a matter of time before it all broke up so of course. It was incredibly tinged with, with a lot of sadness. Uh, and I know for a fact that every single boy uh, player sorry, regret the day that Keith Birkenshaw lost his, lost his job or resigned because of a row with the chairman. Um, very sad uh, and, and ultimately very costly to our club um, because, as I said, we were geared for long-term success and then suddenly that success became rarer and rarer and, and we are where we are today because of that.
3: Do you, think, um, do you think that he was left so disillusioned, disillusioned by where football was potentially going by that experience with Scholler that that's why he, he kind of went into the wilderness in terms of management? He could have got a job anywhere. Like he just won a major European trophy and he, he, surely there were a, a number of top clubs around Europe that would have looked at him. And he went to Bahrain uh, and spent two years there um, I think he managed Gillingham for a season, sporting in in Portugal, but nothing that would, nothing that, that that would that should have left from the success that he had. Was he? Do you know anything about how he felt afterwards? Or?
0: Well, I speak to Keith on a regular basis. He he often rings me, which is a, a, a nice compliment that yeah. he rings me, probably more so than I ring him. Um, what I will say is that the disillusionment within Keith was one that. He'd always had the reign of the football team or the football club in terms of the, the, the playing staff. He had the freedom to bring in who he wanted within reason. He had the freedom to give uh, negotiate contracts with all the players. Um, and slowly that was being taken away from him. Um, now, the problem with that is that in, certainly in those days, it wasn't the norm, certainly not in English football, maybe on the continent, yes. Um, so Keith knew more than any chairman or any accountant, um, the importance of the individual player to his team or his squad. Uh, so consequently, he wanted control over a players' contracts because um, someone sitting up there doing the financials would have no idea of how important Glen Oddle was to the team, say. Whereas Keith would know the exact importance and he knew what his value was to the team. So when negotiating a contract, um, he, was, he, he could actually agree this contract on the basis of how important this player was. Um, so he got disillusioned because the, 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 the control that he'd had was being taken away and, and, and people who weren't in a position really to judge how good or how important the players were to the football club um, were making financial decisions um, and giving contracts out that they really didn't have a clue what they were giving to. Thankfully, they did that because they give me five million a week,
3: um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it was a bonus for me. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: we got we had a question from Jonathan Spain, and <clears throat> he was talking about Hoddle, and obviously we know how good. Even if you never saw Glenn Hoddle play, you know by the way people speak about him just how good he was. Um He took you to Swindon, right, when he managed there, yes. and then when he kept. Ca- did he? No, you'd, you'd retired by the time he come back at Tottenham. But but why 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 didn't it work for him when when he came back to manage at Tottenham? Do you think? Because if you think about his ideas as a manager and what he was doing with wing backs and free at the back, it was quite progressive for the time. I remember thinking it was a tactic that I hadn't, well, I wasn't that familiar with. Most people are playing four four two. What 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 was it that that didn't quite work? Do you think for Hoddle in management? I think if you take of... away the England stuff, because it was great I... there.
0: Yeah, I think one of the uh, one of the things for Glenn that maybe worked for him at the start of his managerial career, but maybe went against him later on. Certainly when he got the Spurs role, um, is that um, I've played under him and known and, and know how good he is and how tactically astute he was. Um, but what you must never forget that. Um, when he introduced the, the the five at the back or the three at the back, whatever you want to call it, um, the sweeper role. Um, at Swindon, we had Glenn Oddle playing the sweeper role. <laughs> Glenn Oddle was possibly the greatest passer of the ball I've ever seen. Um, so, when you've got Glenn Oddle and playing at a slightly lower level or um, with Swindon, he was just running the show from the back of the pitch. Now, when you step up a gear, I mean, Glenn would have did it at any level. He was, he was that great. For me, he's, he's, uh, as you rightly said, uh, you don't need to have seen him play because you can hear how people talk about him. For me, he was the most naturally talented footballer that I've ever seen. Um, I've never seen anybody who can do with the ball what he could do with either foot. So, um, But unfortunately, when he came to use the sweeper system down the line, there was no Glenn Oddle at the back. <laughs> <laughs> so he was relying on someone who was a far lesser talent than he was, someone who could not pass the ball anywhere near the level that he could, someone that couldn't actually dictate the game from the back, but was was a reasonably OK footballer as a defender. So that was sort of almost went again, because the success of Glenn's um, system at Swindon was there for all to see. We were a phenomenal team who played absolutely incredible football. But, uh, you, you know, very fortunate to have Glenn Oddle at the back. I mean, for me, as a centre midfielder, it was a dream because I knew Glenn Oddle was going to find me no matter where I was. And he was going to find me at the right pace of pass, to the right angle of pass, to the right side. And I was going to be able to receive that ball under no pressure from any opponent because that's how good a passer of the ball he was. Um, and, And so for me, it was sensational to have him there. And I'm sure for every other footballer in the team, it was. When he went to Spurs, he was asking someone to do the job that Glen Oddle did, who was nowhere near the quality of a Glen Oddle. There's not many years.
3: The old-fashioned sweeper role is its not something you often see anymore. But for those that don't know, because you know, there's people listening to this that have been watching football for a few years and they may not have seen it, but he would, a sweeper would be kind of in between the two centre-backs and would be protected by them and allowed to, to be a creative player yeah. from that point in the pitch. Yeah you don't often see it they often uh, you know you might see a low a deep line playmaker now be which would be kind of like a Olber Olber or... yeah exactly so he drops, um,
0: he drops into the very same position that Glenn would take up so you're playing for Swindon At what level was this what league this was, was division 1 we did win promotion to the premier league that the, the, the season glenn was playing sweeper so um, wow. it was a lower level um glenn was just an absolute and total genius <laughs> to have um, to have at Swindon Town Football Club a player of that ilk was absolutely incredible and then obviously I was there, John Moncur was there all footballers that had been brought up on the, the Tottenham tradition um, who all knew the way to play the game properly, the beautiful game um, but Glenn was the, the icing on the cake and, 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 in, and at that time he was 35, 36 but ultimately he would have been a massive success in any club in the land that because you give, give Glenn Huddle the space that he gets at Sweeper when he's got the ball at his feet uh, and you are in serious bother. Um, but, but he loved it, actually. I I, I would say that I'd played with Glenn at his very, very best when he was young and, and he was an incredible footballer. But watching him play at Sweeper, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Sweeper in my whole life. No matter I've watched Beck and Bob I've watched Rudy Kroll, I've watched Ronald Koeman, I I, I, I watched these great sweepers as such. I saw Glenn Ordle do body swerves in his box and send the guy five yards and Glenn would just walk out with the ball because he wasn't quick, Glenn, but he had such a body swerve that he'd just—he'd be able to walk through you because he sent you that far far away. So a sweeper to be be able to do that, to do drag backs and flick over your heads and nutmegs and all that, from Sweetman, then ping a 40-yard pass with backspin, side top topspin. I mean, <laughs> it was just, it was a phenomenal phenomenon to watch. Um, and like I said, I, and, and I mean this sincerely, and I was a very, very uh, talented footballer who had lots of natural, I was a natural footballer, I didn't have to work at it. I've never seen anybody manipulate and manoeuvre a ball and pass a ball like Glenn in my whole life. I've seen better players because Glenn had weaknesses to his game in terms of he wasn't um, fast, um, he didn't have unbelievable stamina. But this says, the fact that he didn't have pace and he didn't have stamina tells you just how great this guy was. I mean, you, you honestly could get could not get near him. He was, he was so... I, I, it saddens me. One of my saddest things is that there's people out there I've never seen Glen Oddle at his peak. I, I haven't, apart gym. from video, apart from films on no, YouTube and stuff. It's I never, sad. It's too he told I watch them every day in training, right? And, and I make no apologies, apologies for saying that. Uh, when I joined as a 14-year-old, I, I watched Glen Oddle in training. I, I went home to um, school in, in Sunderland, and I said to my friends at school, I've just seen the best footballer I've ever seen. I said watch out for this guy's near me he was 17 I think at the time Um, and I was watching him in training and I just thought wow and of course then when I started to join in training and train with him wow I mean you're playing 11 a side in a gym not not the size of an 18 yard box and he's finding space and playing one twos and beating players and flicking over people's heads and nutmegging people and you're looking at him and you're thinking wow he's nearly as good as me <laughs>
3: I uh I um I I was lucky enough to to interview a bloke called you remember Michael Dubry he was a centre yep. back at Chelsea and um he said in training once Hoddle was was saying look all you all I want you to do is get the ball and I want you to just find the feet of the of the winger this is what I'm asking you to do yeah I'll show you and he pinged obviously pinged this ball to the toe now of of the bloke on the left and he said I I can't do that. I can't. I don't. Yeah. I'm not as good as you. I can't do what you're asking me to do. Uh, and he, he he often said it was quite an uh, intimidating training ground because Glenoddle did expect his players to be able to, to replicate some of the yeah, things I mean, he if, found so easy.
0: I, I have read those comments, um, and I don't think that's a flaw of Glenoddle. I think that's the floor of everybody else. If they're intimidated by how good this guy is, then that's your problem. It's not his problem. He can't help that. At thirty-seven, thirty-eight, he's still the best player on the pitch, you know. Yeah. And, and and ultimately, demonstration is the best form of coaching because you can stand there all day telling you what what exactly what you want, but unless you see it, the, 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 when you see it happening, you know what's required. The pro, but from the other side of the coin, from the player's perspective. It's very difficult to ever imagine a centre back ever being able to hit, because Glenn would play it with fade, slice, draw, top, check. He would have every spin in his locker. He, you know, if you if you went through the bag of golf clubs, his feet, both feet, were equally a bag of golf clubs. He could mm. do whatever he wanted with them, uh, with the ball, and and, and uh, that could, I suppose, in many, I never intimidated me because I could do a lot of the similar things. Um, So I never felt intimidated by, oh, Mickey, can you do this pass with a bit of backspin? No, yeah, of course I can, boss. But Mm. if you're a centre-back, that's not going to be one of your... um, Historically. Exactly. So if you're asking your centre-backs to do what... And and, and as I've touched on earlier, this was maybe why he didn't succeed as as, as what I thought he would at, uh, at Spurs. I thought he'd be a major success at Spurs because of, one, he'd been brought up there... Two, uh, the way he preached the game was perfect for Spurs. And three, the systems, his his advanced knowledge of um, tactics and and, and understanding of them. Um, But ultimately, if players are intimidated, uh, then they play with fear because they don't want to make a mistake. Because, Well, they don't want to let him down. It's not making a mistake. They don't want to let the manager down. Often when a manager says, can you do this for me? Um, They don't want to let him down. So it adds a certain amount of pressure. And because Glenn was... You know, there's the classic story about when he did the free kick with David Beckham, who was one of the best free kick takers in the world, and he put it over a bar. And Glenn said, Look, this is how you do it. And he ripped it into the top corner. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's easy to feed his intent because Glenn could do anything he wanted with the ball. Uh, I've never known anybody have so much control of, of um, the ball as Glenn Ordle So, yeah, it could have played a part. But ultimately that isn't a flaw in Glenn. That's a flaw in other people because they should Fair have enough. been they should have been saying, um, look at this guy. God, I've I've got to I've got to work hard to improve to become somewhere near this guy because I wanna be I wanna impress him. You know, and when I trained, trained with Glenn, I wanted to I wanted to be better than him. if I was playing up against Glenn in training I'd want to nutmeg him. I'd want to do a trick better than he did. I'd want to do everything because I wanted him to say, Mickey, that was brilliant. Mm. Because when God says, Mickey, that's brilliant, that is so (laughs) uplifting, you know? Um, So uh, don't see it as a threat. See it as a challenge. Challenge to make yourself better. Challenge to actually try and um, compete, not with him directly, but in, in terms of, what he could do. So see him as a challenge. Uh, so maybe the players were a little bit weak mentally rather than Glenn um, too talented. He was too talented, by the way.
3: <laughs> my, uh, my dad, obviously my dad's favourite player, would all, all, always talk about Glenn Odell and Cliff Jones before him, but in, in terms of recent players, uh, Glenn Odell was the one that my dad would talk about. And just in the same way that you have just then, and as a kid hearing it over and over again, you're like, Fuck, what was this guy like anyway? um fast forward to i think it's 2016 the is it Europe, european championships i'm doing some work over there for my previous company and the manager knows ian wright really well so we ended up going to dinner and i sit down and glenn oddle is sitting oh, two wow. feet in front of me wow. and i'm like the colors i didn't know who's going to be there the colors drained out of my face mickey do you think i could get one word out could you think i could think of one decent question nope. to ask him I sat there and just ate my dinner as quickly as I could and got out of there. I rung no, my dad up and he's but, like, you didn't
0: say a word to him. Yeah, but like, that's what—that's the intimidation factor that Glenn carries with him. Um, people are intimidated around him and, 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 and I've got to be honest with you, I, um, um, I went to Glenn's England debut at Wembley. I was so in love with this footballer. Yeah, um, and the way he played the game that when he got picked for England I bought two tickets for the game at Wembley and I went <laughs> to see and Glenn scored this un- unbelievable goal right now I was just a young apprentice at the time um, I hadn't played in the first team I wasn't in the first team dressing room I had, I was cleaning the boots and the shirts uh, and I wanted I wanted to see this guy play every minute of every day and the uh, next day I get home from the game I get into work at 7.30 to clean all the boots and all that Um, get them all clean and who should walk in at about 9.30? Glenn (laughs) Oddle. Who was the only one in the room cleaning the boots? (laughs) Me. And he said, morning, Mickey. I said, oh, Glenn. I I, I was overwhelmed. I I didn't know what to say. I was uh, totally overwhelmed and I said, oh, Glenn, what a goal last night. He said, were you there? I said, yeah, I went. And do you know what he said to me? He said, keep working, Mick. One day you'll be there. Yep. And, and there I you thought, were. Wow. I thought, <laughs> wow. I mean, this incredible footballer um, who, who I still hold in the highest of esteem and still at times I I'm, I'm, I get a bit in awe of him uh, yeah. because he's, he was so special. But he's saying to me, and I'm in exactly what you're saying. I'm in the room and he's, he's there to have a conversation with. And all I could think of was, what a goal last night, <laughs> You know, let's chat. about how did it feel getting to England? What was it like? Were you nervous? Were you learn things about? It. Oh, what a goal, great <laughs> Amazing. Um,
3: thinking about the, uh, I've been thinking about the old stadium quite a lot, Mick. Um, and obviously, because we haven't been able to go to football, uh, and and the new stadium has been has been amazing. Been being listening to podcasts and people talk about the old stadium and I really, I don't know if you feel it as well, but I really, really miss it. I miss being able to just, just how intimate and small it was and and, um, and how how loud that stadium could be at times. And obviously it was the stadium you played in. Um, do, you, do you miss, I know I get, and just a caveat that I know that it's about progress and we need this great big old stadium. We need all of the people going in, but with, with this sort of COVID and being isolated away from everybody I go football with, I've really struggled and, and have been really kind of melancholic over the fact that I can't go and watch Spurs at the old White Hart Lane. Do you feel any of that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, God, I remember my old career was played at White Hart Lane. Yeah. Um, it was, I always call it my place of worship. Um, I I miss every every single thing there is about it. Um, little things, walking through the gates, um, getting getting into the reception area, knowing everybody, Who's there? I oh, I, you know, saying hi to everybody, walking down the tunnel out onto the pitch, Just I miss everything about it. I absolutely worship it. But let me just to, to add to that is that that's me. Right? And in 60 years' time, the youngsters of today are going to be talking about this new stadium the way we talk about White Otleon. Uh, and we must never, ever feel that either White Hartley or the new stadium are competing against one another for our love because Mm. we will love them both equally the same. Of course, we have much fonder memories of White Hartley because that's where we've spent the vast time of our lives there. Um, But the future brings about, there'll be another Mickey Hazard down the line saying the same things about the new stadium. Um, And and probably if I live till I'm 90, I will as well. Uh, But the, the new stadium doesn't bring us all the White White Oatley and lovers, it doesn't bring us the memories yet of, mm. of all the wonderful times we spend at the lane. Now, of course, if you said to me, choose White Hartley or the new stadium, I would choose White Hartley every time, but every time I think of White Or I get a lump, I'm going to cry in a minute. <laughs> I get a lump in my throat, I get emotional, I get goosebumps running through my old body because my life was White Hartley. Um, but I could never, ever deprive the youngsters of today the same feelings in the new stadium as i have for white orle and and hopefully down the line when we create new memories bigger memories winning trophies uh, at the lane's special nights that we've had at the lane uh, they, they, the new stadium will equally become what white orle and became to us
3: yeah and it's and, and it's so important that it, it was built on on the same land
0: oh it, without the, the, I, in, in, in i remember discussing this this you year many years yeah. ago actually with yeah, you yeah we did yeah we did yeah and i think you did the um what was memory the memory lane film
3: the what we we made we made a film called memory lane that's it memory and lane that was interview. that was
0: sensational and 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 um, it, the one thing that we discussed was uh, and that we were dead set against because there was talk about moving over to the olympic stadium uh-huh. um absolutely no way no way i mean the, I would have fought tooth and nail. And the reason I would have fought tooth and nail is because there moments that um, that I achieved on that football pitch that I never wanted to be anywhere else but on that football pitch, like the UEFA Cup semi-final winning goal that took us to the final, like winning the UEFA Cup on that pitch. I didn't want those to be taken up, those memories or, or, or seeing it it might have been moved a little, but it doesn't matter that, that we're still in the same site. It's still White Hartley in, 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 in its spirit. Um, yeah. And I've still got able when I go in there, I'll say, see that spot there? So mm-hmm. when I do a tour, I say, that's that's where I scored the winning goal in the semi final of the UEFA Cup. You know, nothing's been taken away from me. And, and I, I hated the thought. Um, as you did. I remember the discussions uh, of White Hartley and ever not being at White Um and thankfully it remained there um, and as I said youngsters of today in 60 years time are going to have the same thrill when they walk cause we will win trophies. Uh, the kids of today, you know the sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, ten-year-olds, twenty-one-year-olds, they will have the same memories of we've got of winning trophies and and, and being part of um, a wonderful host of memories and, and history, and that's what will happen with the new stadium too. Um,
3: all right, looking forward to to the the future then, but I'm trying to know about you, what you what you think about this squad that we've amassed and and how incredible that a transfer window that was. Um, but we have a great question from YJ. <clears throat> And said, if you could choose to play under Pochettino or Mourinho, which manager do you think you would have enjoyed your football most under? Um, and I've just thrown you in, thrown that in there without any Well, prep. It's
0: a very difficult question, number one, because I think that um, if you look over Pochett's reign, it took a while to implement, um, in the end, the way we were playing. And it was a wonderful style. It was wonderful to, play, to watch. It was wonderful to be part of. Um, and unfortunately, the Mourinho era has been sort of um, COVID nineteen has put grave restrictions on how much Mourinho has impacted in this first year. Um, so that's um, slightly unfair to, to, to compare the two. Or who I would like to play for? Mm. Uh, all I will say is on that matter is whoever played the most open, expansive football that would be the one who I would want to play for because I hated defending, I hated it. (laughs) When I was having to run back and do a job and make a tackle, it was nowhere near as exciting as when I was beating a player and hitting a through pass or scoring a goal. So I wanted to play for, you know, I was very fortunate in my career. I, I, I To this day, I believe I was blessed Um, because I played under Berkenshaw, who wanted to play this expansive football. Uh, I then played under Ardiles at Swindon, who was exactly the same. I played under Ardiles at Spurs. And I played under four managers that wanted to play the beautiful game. And I only wanted to be part of the beautiful game. So when managers used to say to me, I want you to track him back, make a sliding tackle, put him into Rosehead, whack the ball into Rosehead, I used to say, no you got the wrong player here. You know, that's not my style. I'm, I'm, I don't enjoy that. I'm not into that. I'll do it if needed, but let me play the beautiful game, please. And this is why Tottenham was the perfect match for me because of uh, if you go through our history, the, the, the style and the traditions and philosophies of, of our play was playing one touch. You know, when we talk about the push and run team and, and we talk about the wonderful, uh, exciting footballers, you know, we can reel them off Jimmy Greaves, David Ginola, Glenn Hoddle—you know you can reel them off one hand. Gareth Bale, top-notch footballers that. is Deleza, footballers that played the game with such flair and creativity. And that's how I see the game. Um, so, whoever out uh, of Pochettino and 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 Mourinho preached the most expansive open, and also, if one of them said to me, "Mickey, you don't have to defend," oh, I'm made up. You got my vote. <laughs> Um, I think,
3: I think you, uh, I mean, I'm not sure you ever got a way of defending, without defending with, with Poch. Jose or, or Potch or either of them, really. No, but
0: both but, of them like the same. It, would
3: Because again, lots of people wouldn't have seen you play either, Mick. And I remember being a kid watching you at Wild Lane, your second spell. And um, my dad always said, "Mickey's a good player, really good player. He used to say that about you all the time, <laughs> passing Especially, but but what? How, where would you have fit in modern football? Do you think? Do you, if you, would, you, would you have? If we were playing a four-two-three-one, would you have been one of the forward players, or would you have been sitting in the midfield like Winks? No, like I'd,
0: I'd have been in the midfield. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have either been in the Alley role behind the front man, or I'd have been just in front of the back four. I like both equally. In fact, if you were to say to me what uh, what role would I want to play, I would always say if I'm playing at White Hartley and stick me in front of the back four, and I'll run the game. Mm-hmm. If we were playing away from home, then I'd say, stick me behind the front, but make sure you put an Aussie Ardiles in front of the back four, because it's no point having me behind the front if I haven't got someone uh, in front of the back four who can feed me. Um, so, But away from home, I love playing behind the front, because that's where all the space was, because they're midfield, because they were at home, they would push right onto the deep line midfielders. Yeah. Um, slightly changed in modern day football. Modern day football for me looks looks an absolute doddle to play because um nobody's trying to kick you, nobody puts you <laughs> under pressure until you get into the last third. In my day, you no matter where you played, wherever you were on the pitch, they would pressure you and try and kick you. Um and me being small, I used to get kicked from pillar to post. But uh, no, I I I I would fit into modern day football perfectly. In <laughs> fact, in fact, I go as far as to say that you know, if we want to judge where I would fit in, I think the easiest way to say is if I actually say what I'd be worth on the transfer market. You know, if you talk about, say, someone, uh, Christian on 50 million, I think they'd, prob- I'd pro- they'd probably value me at somewhere around about 400 million, something like that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> when I remember seeing pictures of you, I'm just Googling you now, Mickey, because as I remember, you... Did you wear shin pads? I know you... I'm looking at a picture now that you've did. you definitely got shin pads on. Yeah, because I got told. Right. I I definitely remember seeing images of you just rolled down socks with no shin pads.
0: Yeah, yeah. I hated wearing shin pads. What, is it just because you felt restrictive? No, no. Um, I was told and warned by the club that if I don't wear them, I won't be picked. In the end, I went quite a long time without wearing... I hated wearing studs. I used to love wearing rubber boots. Rubber boots... No pads, socks down. Um, and the reason being is, is psychologically, um, when I had my socks down and no pads, right, it was an invitation for you to come and kick me, right, which then made me have to think quicker and move quicker, right, and it gave me an arrogance. I used to stand there with my socks down, no pads, and say, right, you want me? Come and get me. And when you come, I'm not going to be there. You know, so it was... It was clever uh, thinking for me in the fact that I wanted to be alive and alert. And if I had pads on, I could get kicked and I didn't need to be that alive and alert because it wouldn't hurt. But when you've got no pads on, it hurts. So you come at me, I'm not going to be there. I've got to be really sharp in there, really quick with my movement, really quick with my quick feet so I can get away from you without you catching me. Um, So there was method to it. um, But the most important thing to me was it made me feel arrogant. It made me feel like, you cannot get this ball. And on my it day, was... if it was my day, nobody could get the ball off me. Yeah, but you can't escape everybody all the time. No, nope. You would have got hurt eventually. Eventually, yeah. I, I, I mean, I remember playing for under Glenoddle at Swindon, <laughs> right? And we were playing in the League Cup. Um, and it was absolutely... Ch- we were away from one that was chucking down, right? Absolutely chucking down. And um, the pitches were firm. It wasn't muddy at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and Um I wore rubber studs which is slip and Glenn didn't know and he went mad at me for wearing rubbers in this weather But I used to just love I used to think it's like, more comfortable oh there's so much more comfortable when you drag back the ball it's so much easier when you because it's got it's almost like a flat sole, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. there's so many rubber studs. So when I was doing drag backs and all that, I always found it much easier. I found them comfortable, um, whereas studs were much more, they, they could come through and hurt the bottom of your feet. So yeah, I used to wear right. rubber studs for as long as possible until the pitches became heavy and boggy, and then I'd have to put on studs. But it, for me, it was always something about giving me an edge psychologically, um, making me feel like arrogant Arrogance not maybe the right word, but it was a form of arrogance that you, yeah, can't, you can't get the ball off me.
3: Yeah. Um, I'm just looking, because obviously have been Googling, there's some amazing photos of you in the Spurs shirt. I'm sure you've seen them all before, but there's a couple absolute belters. One when you're riding the tackle, uh, it looks like Millwall. Don't know. Uh, it's hard because it's such a long time ago without without knowing. It's a wild lane. And you're just right flying past someone. There's another one. Which uh, where this it's a night game? Looks like we might be playing Swindon or Forest in the background. You just look fantastic, Mick.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Well, listen, you you know, I often one of my skills was that I was able to, you know, people coach dribbling, they coach it the wrong way. You know, the, the dribbling, the, the 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 disguise, the disguise of what you do, what you're going to do, is what opens the door, right? Yeah. Often people. Coach the trick or the disguise that you know, but they don't coach the follow-up. The follow-up is is that once you've opened the door, you've got to burst through the door uh, because the, the door at the top is only open a jaw for a split second, and if mm. you're not bursting through it, it closes. So you've got to do the trick all over again. So I I was fortunate that I had a, a over three or four yards. I was incredibly quick, um, but also I had this body swerve or this trick that could open the door. Um, so you, the, the, if if, the, if they took pictures of me in every single game they would see moments in that game where I'm dancing past somebody because I used to run with the ball to create space for others I used to run at defenders draw the defender to me to roll someone else in you know so yeah it doesn't surprise me that there's pictures of me in, a, in that type of action yeah yeah there's several there's lots of them
3: um Mickey, uh, let's, let's just, before we end, because I've, I've, I've had you on the phone for a while now, and thank you so much for speaking to us once Pleasure. again. But what, um, what, 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 what do you make of this season? A great transfer window. Gareth Bale's back. That front line of Son, Kane and Bale, if they get together and it clicks, it's going to be incredible. The full backs we've bought. What, what, what are you, are you ex- as excited as I clearly am?
0: Well, I've got to be honest, when I saw the Everton game, yeah. I thought we were relegation material. Look bad, um, I, I I remember feeling absolutely and totally in fact uh, there was periods in the game where I couldn't watch I had to turn it off because I was yeah. getting so uptight turn it off calm down and watch it again I thought we were absolutely terrible on the day um and then since the, the it's, it's, it's like a complete transformation um and as you rightly say the 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 I mean the, the Newcastle game was a joke. We should have won 6-0, and then they mm. get this, well, I don't even want to talk about because I get angry. Um, yeah. You know. So, But from just a gradual improvement in performances, we made the signings, uh, Bale and um, um, the left-back, forget his name.
3: R- Reggion Reg, we all just
0: call him Reg. Yeah, Reg. Um, <laughs> and I've got to say what a player he is. I absolutely yeah. love him. Um, he could go. He could go on to be an absolutely megastar at Tottenham. He's fit. He's quick. He's skillful. He gets forward and back. He's aggressive. Um, he's competitive. He's got every ingredient to be one of the best left backs that we've ever had as a club. Um, you know, and I remember Cyr- Cyril Knowles, who was brilliant, and Chris Uton, who were brilliant. This kid could be better than them all. He's, he's special. And then you've got Bale. I mean, um, excited the excitement to see son harry kane and bale wow how does anybody stop that how do you play against that harry playing this harry's on fire he's, he's for me he's becoming the best passer of the ball in the world incredible uh, some, some of his passes wow orless Od- yeah. um, and, and 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 sonny get the runs he's making to give harry the potential to find him in the it's you know so imagine when you add bale to that I mean, Manchester United was absolutely an unbelievable performance, and Lamella was brilliant as well. So it's quite sad to be talking about Bale in, on, on the basis that um, he's going to replace Lamella. But ultimately, if I was any opposition, I'd be thinking, "How do you play against this forward line?" Um, because it's absolutely. For me, the best front three in the Premiership—it's got in, yeah. in probably possibly in the world. When you know when you talk about great front three, you talk about Messi, um, Suarez, and, and Um, Neymar. um and, and this is going to be up there on a pot, not quite, maybe just below what? it. But what yeah. exciting times! At the two fullbacks, um, Olberg in midfield was sensational at Old Trafford.
3: It was, uh, yeah,
0: yeah. And I look at it and I think to myself, wow. Harry Redknapp commenting after the game that um, we could win the league. Do you know could, what? Could we win the league? You know what? He's not far wrong. Um, <laughs> of course, you, we have to overcome. Uh, you know, one swallow doesn't make it summer. Uh, that yep. unbelievable performance at Manchester United. Um, forget that they had a man sent off. That's a, that's absolutely clouding, clouding the performance. People are using it as an excuse. We were actually more dominant before he got sent off we could have had yeah. five goals in five minutes
3: yeah. and
0: we created chance after chance after chance after chance so that is, that is actually a smoke screen that's sort of covering up oh they lost 6-1 they probably would have lost more if they'd not gone down to to 10 um second half we played more possession and controlled football and waited for the moments uh, but in the first half at 2-1 it, god it was embarrassing the amount of chances we were creating so this team is 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 going places a reserve judgment on whether or not we can win the league or not. Okay, I've reserved judgment. Yes, we can.
3: We can win <laughs> it. Yes,
0: Vicky. <we> <laughs> no, it's a silly question to ask me because I, before every season, I think we could win everything. Yeah, because I think yeah. that I look, I look at the squad that we've built now. I actually think we could put out a second team that would finish in the top six in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, we've built such a powerful squad and that- we've got backup in every place uh the only the only concern that i uh, or the only addition that i would add that would make potentially give us the league would be to add someone of phenomenal pace at the heart of the defence because mm. everywhere else looks like wow breathtaking just a bit of pace at the heart of the defence is what could cost us long term but and... i'll take what we've got
3: yeah, oh yeah, yeah, hands down. I mean, I remember I was preparing for the fact that Doherty and Hoybier would, would be our only signings because yeah. that's the way Levy's operated, but not anymore. Uh, if he gets injured, that will be a concern. <clears throat> Hoybier in midfield, if he gets injured, because we have we don't have a backup for him. But like picking holes, it's been a fantastic window. So excited, scoring goals for like everyone thought that Jose Mourinho was going to be a defensive coach. Well, can, you imagine, if, as...
0: can you imagine if we'd employed an attacking coach?
3: I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, I can't, it's just fantastic. And like you say, Kane in the form of his life, playing in a, in a kind of sort of it seems like a new role, like he's been asked to be a bit more of a supplier than just an archetypal number nine, seems to be loving it. Uh, Kane and son have created more. A chances Incredible. between them yeah. than Arsenal's entire team had.
0: Well, yeah, just but, but but then again, didn't you know? Didn't you know that me, just me, only yes. me, nobody else, <laughs> has got more European trophies, wins than yeah. the entire Arsenal team playing, right? while playing for Arsenal.
3: Wow! But there you, you go. know that, did you? I did. Well, I'm glad I do. I'm going to use that yeah. going forward, Mickey The entire All
0: Arsenal right. team. I've not won a European trophy, but I have. You have indeed.
3: And what every that time, like, they, that night, every just time
0: they get nasty with me on Twitter, I say that to them. <laughs> what was that like making
3: just before we just to end on something that you can talk so fondly about? Is that night '84 um, and elect uh, while Elaine was packed to the rafters, my dad would talk about. Saying that the official attendance was nowhere near what he was actually in no. there, it was, you couldn't move for no. love nor money. It was just everybody had to get in, and Andelekts were no, they're not. It's not like Spurs playing Andelekts now. They were a good no, side, really good side. Yeah, what? And it went down to penalties. It was so dramatic. And I watch it back now, and obviously I was only three years old, and I, I've got, I get goose, goose, goosebumps watching it. What, what was it like, Nick? What was that night like?
0: I would say that um, only six things have happened to me in my lifetime that have bettered it. I had two children and I had four grandchildren. And yeah. They were amazing moments. But from a footballing perspective, it was just... I can talk about it now to you. Have you got three days? <laughs>
3: I've got as long as you Be-
0: need. <laughs> because it was... Um, it's like it happened yesterday. I can remember every single solitary moment of the game. I can remember every single solitary moment of the penalty shootout. Uh, when I see Danny Thomas miss, you know, I see Danny walking up to take in a penalty. That was supposed to be me. So as he's walking up, I've now recovered from cramp. He's walking up, I'm thinking, oh God, I wish this was me. Oh, why wasn't this for me? I'd, I'd go down his history as drawing the winning penalty to. To win the UEFA Cup, I'm like, oh. And then Danny misses, and now I'm like, oh, shit. It's me now, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so the, the way emotions can change in a penalty shootout, oh, mm. why isn't this me? Isn't this, why isn't this me? And then he misses, like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble, you know. <laughs> um, and then, of course, um, the fans. To this day, I maintain that our fans won us the trophy because when Danny missed, um, that every... Every single player felt a bit deflated because we're a second away from celebrating winning the UEFA Cup. Um, mm. Massive at that time. It wasn't like the Europa League. This was a massive European trophy. And we were like waiting to run and grab him. And then he misses. And as he's walking back, the fans sing one Danny Thomas, it echoes all round the ground. I mean, lump in your throat time, goosebump bump time, yeah. um, boom. And I, I am convinced to this day... And I've spoke with Tony Parks about it, that it was that that drove him on to make that save. Now, I know you'll say, well, it was lucky. You know, goalies choose a way they go. Well, yeah, but there was something more than luck on this. It, he saved it. It was like he'd got a new spring in his step. And it was all, for me, all down to the fans. One Danny Thomas. And when people say the importance of fans, you know, just, if you want to know the importance of fans, Look at the UEFA Cup Final 84. Tony Parks is safe. But look at football today without fans. It's absolutely dead as a duck. It's it's absolutely boring. Boring unless you're watching Spurs and the winning 6-1. Um, fans, football without fans is like people without water um, can't survive. Um, so, but that highlighted the importance of the 12th man, the fans being the 12th man. And yes, it, it, it will... I'll go to my grave, and as I'm about to close my eyes for the last time, someone will say, "What about that UEFA Cup final, Mick?" And I'll I'll die with goosebumps and a lump in my throat <laughs> because um, it was tops, tops.
3: Mickey, I want to end there because I can't. Don't think we're going to top it. So thank you so much again for giving this time. It's no always pleasure wonderful pal. talking to you. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, if you give us give, any give Mickey a, Just message me yeah. anytime. Uh, if you haven't done, you can you can uh, you can follow Mickey on Twitter. It's fantastic because he's constantly winding up fans of other clubs, <laughs> <laughs> getting a fair bit of stick. Uh, what, what what is the Twitter handle? Uh, one. Sorry, don't hazard. get it wrong. At one. Mickey hazard. All right then. Take care. fab keep well. See you soon. Cheers, Stay b- safe. Bye, mate. It's the fight in. It's the fight in.
2: Hook. It's the fly in It's the fly in
1: A cha Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
2: 5X480. Dayton B100 V-Belt, one of the many parts Granger carries. It's also the item that helped Rob carry the day. The job was on hold, deadline fast approaching. But a quick search on Granger.com and Rob found his part. And with same-day pickup at his local branch, he and his crew got the job done safely and on time. Get supplies and solutions for every industry with real time product availability. Call clickranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.